You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. Back to the Screening in Kingston podcast on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston or wherever you find your podcasts. We were off randomly last week. No real reason. Sometimes life happens. Um, but we're back this week and my special guest co-host is Tyler Vance. Welcome back, Tyler. Do I, get still, do I still get to be called special when I've come back for like the fourth time in like two months? Am I still special? Um... Well, I guess, are we measuring special as unique or are we measuring special as there's just that, there's just that indefinable star quality? Or are we, is like, are we using special in the term of like, he's special? He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a little different, but fine. A little different, but fun. That's a good autobiography title for me. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you you bring up, you know, that I'm also wondering how fans will react because we're not talking about Star Trek this week. For like, yeah, like, I'm, the, I, I like to believe that the silent majority will be okay with it, but there will definitely be a vocal minority that will be outraged. It's funny since announcing that we were going to do Star Trek, I have received, I don't know if you've listened to the show recently, Tyler, but there were some uh, Star Trek related fan questions that I answered on my own. Mm-hmm. And yes, one of, okay. And one of them was like, who's the bigger Star Trek fan? And like, if we were, if we're Trekkers or Trekkies. Yes, um, I and I thought that. Okay, do you have any sort of response? Because I thought I gave a decent answer to that, but do you have any sort of follow up to to who you think's the bigger Star Trek fan? Yeah, I was like my familiarity with the uh, with the lingo. I think that the the Star Trek youths are throwing out these days is not necessarily quite there. So, but my understanding is that a Trekkie is someone who is basically like a um, like original Star Trek fan as opposed yeah. to a Trekker, well, someone who kind of is in the uh is like came into it later in one of the other series um and so yeah. from using that definition i think that as you described it made sense to me yeah usually it's tng like it's if you're because most people discover and like either tng or the original series and the other series for some reason they're just there even though they're fantastic series and i don't know what people's yep. problems are but well, that's that we're not talking about that today. That's neither here nor there. Um, but yes, that that was kind of the way I, I felt that was fine. I think we're both big Star Trek fans, and I don't think oh, one yeah. of us has to be. But uh, I think the great thing about Star Trek is it's so big that you can yeah. actually have two people who both love the same thing, and yet they do kind of like inhabit different portions of the fandom. Um, is like in kind of interesting ways. Um, what do we do? We have a term for the people who are fans of Star Trek because of the post J.J. Abrams, like uh, like uh, the. Um, oh, what's his name? The Kurtzman era Star, um, Star Trek? Uh, yes. Um, and they're uh, Calvins. Oh, okay. For Calvin timeline. It's like it's like Calvinism, but yeah. for Star Trek instead of religion. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and, that's, and then I call people who discovered uh, through uh, Star Trek Discovery STDs. <laughs> for no other reason than just... <laughs> for Star Trek Discovery. Exactly. STDs. It's the, that's the perfect, yeah. perfect acronym. Makes total sense to me. Yeah. So that's, but that's just a me thing. I don't think anyone else. <laughs> I tried to Google it. Didn't the, go my way. So yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that I think that's just a me thing. Um, but yes, this week we're not talking Star Trek. 
Um, we're actually going to talk about the fact that the Golden Globes are back. They happened. Did anyone notice? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's the lead up to the Oscars, which we do love the Oscars on this show. Um, so we're going to talk about the Golden Globes today. And you and I both have a movie to review. Um, you're going to review one of three Pinocchio movies we got last year. Yeah, what um, was the third one again? There was oh, Robert Zemeckis's, there was yes. Neil Toro's, and there was... The third one was Pauly Shore, um, and it was kind of, uh, yeah, it's like a Pauly Shore, really like cheap animation, uh, almost looks like that kind of computer, old computerized animation, um, and yeah, Pauly Shore was in it, um, and it came out last year as well. Um, I'm going to get the name. I think it's called like Pinocchio, A True Story or something. Um, but yeah, Polly Shore votes, uh, voices uh, Pinocchio. Pinocchio, A True Story. That's what it's called. Uh, Polly Shore is is the main voice. John Heater is also in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, I don't know who the director is. Uh, I'll have to look that up. Someone yeah. named v- Vasily Rovensky. Uh, or are you on IMDb? I'm just yeah, it's a now. it's a Russian movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, um, Polly Shore plays Pinocchio, um, and even though it says 2021, it technically it all came out. This thing, it all came out in in 2022 um, for wide release. So yeah, the we had Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yeah, we had Pinocchio: True Story. We had Disney's Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Yeah, you so you're going to no review one of those. Which, three. You have no idea which yeah. one I'm going to review. Which one? <laughs> one of many ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which Pinocchio movie you're going to review? And I'm going to review. Um, she said, which is the movie about everything that happened with Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. um, and the Weinstein Company in Hollywood. Um, I actually was originally the quick story, uh, and this this is gonna this is actually going to be bad, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's funny to me. <laughs> Um, so originally I was going to review this movie for an episode last week. Like I had, I had planned out and mapped out the next couple of weeks, knowing that we're, we'll, we'll have Taylor every once in a while and I need guests, et cetera. But I, in my planning haste and my, my ever, uh, stupidity, I never planned like a co-host. Mm. Um, so I thought, should I record the episode alone? But then I thought, well, just you sitting just there talking sitting about, there. she said, yeah, I'm like, that's, I'm not going to do that. And then my episode name, like I'd come up with a name for the episodes. Cause when, when we put the podcast out, oh, they have don't, to have do a name. It, don't do it. My, the name I came up with no. <laughs> for the episode was she said, she shed by the she store. Oh. And, and I was like, and then I remembered, wait a minute, the content of this movie, it's not funny. So like, you can't come up, you can't use that name. Like you can't no. do that. So I abandoned the whole thing and thought, okay, we'll take one more week off. I'm really busy anyway. This will be fine. And I'll review it in our Golden Globe. Because, you know, it's there's there was a couple people, I think, up for different golden globes uh golden yeah. globe nominations for for this movie so i thought okay it'll fit it'll be totally fine but yeah that was my for a minute i was like wait a minute the content of the movie's not funny uh yeah. so don't make a joke but then i thought like i always pay a movie the same amount of respect that the filmmakers did so it actually kind of fits anyway we'll get to Uh-oh. it um <laughs> We'll, we'll get to it. So anyway, that was my story. So now we've got this episode. We're going to go through the Golden Globes. We're going to review our movies. I have some very positive things to say about this move, the movie that I'm reviewing, but also some negative things. Okay. As you, uh, those, are, those are the best kind of reviews. Uh, frankly, yes. Um, yeah. And it's what's hilarious, like really funny, is 
as I was watching this movie, I'll get into more detail, but it was funny talking about the content because we were just talking about it. I, I was watching this movie being like, you know, it is hard when you're in the world of the movie, like you're part of Hollywood and you have to tackle this kind of content. Yeah. And it's a hard job for a writer to do. And it's a hard job for a director to do. And in the wrong hands, the movie can go in a terrible direction. And in the right hands, it can be like very powerful. One of the two people I just mentioned did a great job. <laughs> and we'll get to it. Okay, I'm interested. So that's my tease. That's yeah. my tease. That's a good for, tease. For, tease. For she said. Now, you, you haven't seen the movie? I have actually. Yeah, I did see it. Oh, you did see it? Well, okay, you're going to give your thoughts then, right? Like gonna... I, I will definitely give my thoughts. Yeah, we Great. will. It's like, um, and that is, I just got to say that I was really worried that what your title was going to be for a about a, a lone man talking about the movie she said was going to be called <laughs> He Said, She Said. And no, I was, no. And I was that like, didn't don't even do cross it. my mind. <laughs> That's why I just don't do this. Just don't no. do it. <laughs> no, no. I, I, that, I, that didn't even, I just thought the, the She Said, She Shed thing was funny. Uh, it's actually a modern from a modern family joke. Because uh, okay. the mother really wants a shed in her backyard and keeps calling it a she shed for some reason. <laughs> and it's I, I always thought that was really funny. So she said she shed. I thought that was really funny. But then I thought, well, the content doesn't match that. Like, even though it's a light joke, not as far as you were thinking I was no. going to go. Like, that would be horrible. <laughs> That's why I started freaking out. I'm like, no, we need to abort. <laughs> abort, abort episode, abort episode. Uh, no, no, no. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't do that. Hey, I actually, I got to say couple things one i was really rooting rooting for this movie and two that again there is there are some individuals involved in this movie who deserve a lot of praise for doing a really good job yeah. uh but then there's others so we'll we'll get to it we'll talk about it um but before we do let's talk about something else awkward and distressing the golden globes yeah. um so the golden globes just happened about a week ago um, we're going to talk mainly about the actual awards, like who won, who didn't, because that's kind of what I'm interested in. No one really cares about a Golden Globe award, except those who won it this year, who seem to really yeah. care. Um, but it kind of does give us a bit of an Oscar preview. And I like award season. I think it's interesting to, to judge art in this way. I think the debate around it's a lot of fun. Um, so we're going to do that. But beforehand, I want to do a quick review of the actual ceremony. Um, did you watch any of it or any clips from it or anything, Tyler? I've watched some clips of the speeches, which for, in my books are the only good parts of almost any award show yeah. or the, the speeches yeah. that are given when you, you know, it's, it's funny when you put charismatic people up on stage who are maybe a little, as like a little tipsy as a, and really enjoying themselves and happy, you can sometimes get very magical moments. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't care about the Golden Globes at all. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association as a as an entity really deserved to go the way of the dinosaurs a few years ago. Um, so I didn't bother watching the Golden Globes, but I did see some very nice speeches from the likes of Colin Farrell and uh, Steven Spielberg and um, oh, the, the guy from Everything Everywhere All at Once gave a very nice speech. Oh, yes. Um, oh, I just had his name right in front his, of his me. His first name is Key. As I uh, uh, yes, Kihei Kwan. Yes. Yes. Oh, his speech was the best. Yes. Uh, and, but again, like the like you're saying, and especially those who won this year, I found the people who won this year were the side of Hollywood that are just so humbled by being a part of this and mm -hmm. so thankful for being recognized for their hard work that they don't get up there and give like meaningless political speeches, which again is fine. You can have your opinion. And I think people in, in powerful positions can do great good. 
Um, but just getting up there and like preaching to us to do something when you have millions of dollars is stupid. But again, <laughs> here we had an actor who hasn't really worked since he was a kid and just like loving the fact that someone gave him another chance. And that performance was so good that right. I, if he doesn't win best supporting Oscar, I think that's a travesty. Like his performance yeah. was incredible. Like that movie's so good that I'm just glad it's getting recognized. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's like, it is, it was really heartening to see everything er- everywhere all at once getting a lot of love is like, um, is like at the Golden Globes. I don't know if the Golden Globes are really an, a barometer for the Oscars anymore, but hopefully if no. they are, it's a, it's a good sight. We've got, we, we can see where we're going. We're heading towards a happy Oscar season. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I hope that everything everywhere all at once gets, gets some Oscar nominations. Yeah. Um, I've heard great things about the Banshees of Inishirin, yeah. which I'm watching this coming week. Um, there's a few other movies that, uh, that I, that I also liked. I know there's a few picks that Taylor had that we'll kind of go through that Taylor's hoping. Uh, got some things and did win from last night. Um, but yeah, the, the ceremony itself, it's just so awkward. So the comedian host they had, um, Gerard Carmichael, if you don't know and like his style, you would find it very off-putting, dry and awkward. Yeah. Because that's just the style of comedian. I don't know if you, did you see his Netflix special? Uh, no, I haven't seen his Netflix special, and I saw a little bit of his uh, opening monologue, and I can definitely get that feeling from him, that he's the kind of, like, you know, he's looking for the laugh that's half from amusement, but also half from, like, being uncomfortable. Yes, and his stand-up comedy is actually quite good, because just the way he uses that is good. I, I don't watch a lot of stand-up comedy, but I did watch his special, and I laughed quite a bit. Like, I, I do find him very, very funny. Um, and when he hosted SNL, I thought he had a lot of really funny sort of self-defeating humor. That was really good. Like the way he, he knows, I think, the things to hit upon. The, when when a host does a show like this, like the producers are involved in, in writing with the host, you definitely have to get approval from the show. And it just came off as the Golden Globes being like, we're going to make fun of how bad we've been. <laughs> but that makes me think like, well, did you improve or not? Like are things better than they were or not? Yeah. And it just feels like they didn't really take responsibility. They're just like, well, we have more diverse members now. So like, what do you want from us? Exactly. Like that came off the attitude. And I thought that was a little off-putting and his humor was so like attacking the golden globes where I just felt like everyone did feel awkward. Like, well, you're yeah. saying a lot of things that are true. Are we going to do something about it? Or are we going to do the typical rich Hollywood person thing where we're going to point it out, expect a bunch of other people to change, and then walk away? I'm also really, like, feisty today, Tyler. I'm just, <laughs> um, like, I'm, I'm kind of had, I've kind of just fed up with a lot of things. And I just think when you get up there and you give, the reason why people make fun of Hollywood actors and give speeches is when you have so much more power than I do. And I'm watching this and you want me to do something about it. You want me to do some action, you want me to take charge. And maybe they're speaking to each other when they say these things like, come on, people, like, let's do something. But what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I, the one thing I really appreciated uh, that Jamar, uh, Gerard Carmichael kept saying was he was like, I know I'm here because of the color of my skin. I know I'm here because of this, that, and the other way. But every advice I got was like, well, how much are they paying you? Like, take the money. 
And yeah. he was just so honest about it. And that was the funniest part of it. He's like, I'm just taking the money and doing what I want up here. And I'm like, well, I kind of appreciate that more than pretending anything else. It's not good, but at least yeah. I appreciate some honesty here. Yeah, I, th- I feel for me, like the, the Golden Globes are one of those things that I've never really understood why they exist because no one respects the organization that chooses these things. They are a very small organization. I think their membership is only like 120 to 150 people. Yeah, can which, you believe that? That's yeah, tiny. Which at that point means like, you know, whenever people are talking about the Oscars and they're saying, oh, like the Oscars did this or they, they voted for these people as if they're like one body that all like was moving together, which they are clearly not. There's so many members of the Academy. For this, that could actually be the case. Like the Golden Globes mm-hmm. is small enough that like you could see them being swayed as a whole to like to move as a as a conglomerate, and definitely that's what they've been in, tr- in trouble with from before, like getting bribes and stuff like that, and like the, all of them moving in one direction or another, and them being a very small body that was very like that was low on diversity despite their their name. Um, <laughs> yeah, despite their name, yeah. And it is one of those kind of like really annoying things where I'm like, I thought for a brief moment when it wasn't being telecasted last year that maybe we were done with them. Maybe we yeah. didn't have to focus on the Golden Goals anymore. Maybe something else could take their place, like the Critics' Choice Awards or the Gotham's or any of these other things. Or the, um, what's the one where they vote? I can't, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time remembering things. Do you know the one where they vote, like the members of the Guild vote for them? Yeah, so there's like the SAG Awards, like yes. the Screen Actors Guild Awards, or there's yes. the DGAs, like the Director Guild Association, or Both of those. Yeah, yes. like all of those would be, I think, more interesting than the Agreed. Golden Globes. Voted by my peers. I'm getting yeah, an award exactly. from my peers. Yes, I love yeah, that. Yeah, and, and so I think those should be, like, uh, would be better to, like, have tele- like televised, telecast, or whatever it's going to be. Um, but instead, we get the Golden Globes. And, it, you know, Mike, we're part of the problem because we sit here and we talk about them. But if we didn't talk about them, then maybe they go away. <laughs> um, yes, I agree with you. Um, they might go away if we stop talking about them. I do agree with you. I don't know how much screening in Kingston moves the needle for the Golden Globes. I think that Hollywood is like knows that we have a finger on the pulse. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but I agree. I do agree with you about that. If we stop talking about them, they might go away. And I also agree. I think your list of award shows that could take its place that would be more prestigious and that would mean more are all accurate. I would, I would take any of those. Now, again, I love the Oscars because of what you just said. I know there's, listen, everyone, there's corruption everywhere. I don't, I like, it doesn't matter. Like if you have a human being, they can be biased. That just happens. At least the Academy is so big that you do get a little bit of a better idea of what the majority think and like, and there's still surprises and there's still things that happen. The Academy loves movies about itself even though it sometimes they're not great, but you often get at least a better idea. This was the first Golden Globes that I've ever covered like closely and said, yeah, I could see that winning an Oscar. Yeah, I could see that winning an Oscar. Like it was more, it wasn't as random as like, what is that thing? Did you just want this person here? So I can definitely see that. Like, I was not unhappy with any of the the winners um, from this like from this Golden Globes. Um, I would just simply say that for those that I've seen online who are saying like you know the Golden Globes they took they stepped away they did the time and they've come back and they're they're doing the work and I'm like it it is so easy like an insultingly easy to be able to show people that you in theory are improving is like um by like a single year is like um. We, I guess if they're going to be around, we will see if that 
improvement carries on into the future, or if they once the spotlight is off them a little bit, uh, they slip back into old tendencies. <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree with you. Um, it's so easy to just fool people that you're working on things. Um, I do it all the time, so I would know. <laughs> it's, um, it's the vast majority of what my what my life is. <laughs> it's pretty much my entire life, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, let's rattle off some of these winners and let's talk about what we think about them. And let's talk about where we think things could go. Um, starting with, we're, we're really going to go only through the kind of main actor categories, um, actor and actress categories, uh, talk about the best drama and best comedy. And then I just have one or two little TV comments that I want to make. I don't know how much you've caught up on some of these shows, Tyler, but I just have some, I have some thoughts. Um, yeah, t- something- TV and I are, are, are definitely not... Uh good friends these days i've not talked to tv in a long time i'm currently watching king of the hill on disney plus that's what i that's what i'm doing with my time with tv so you know if you had said that to me six months ago mm-hmm. i probably would have judged you a little bit yep that's fair but right now i'm not i'm not any better i'm rewatching <laughs> the same kind of stuff are you are you rewatching full house again no, I'm not. I haven't, I haven't slipped that far. I'm actually. Re, I'm rewatching the newsroom and Veep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, at least the newsroom is Aaron Sorkin, so that's like. Yeah, my mind's getting some something. Yeah. <laughs> Except I know most of those episodes off by heart, so I'm just sort of like sitting there. Like this is. Imagine this picture, Tyler. Uh, I'm watching the show. It's late at night. Uh, maybe I'm. I'm eating something I shouldn't. I'm laying in bed, crying and repeating backwards to the people in the newsroom and that's my life where i'm just like repeating things back and forth about the the whatever the congressional congress of 2016 or whatever year i think it's like 2012 or 2011 and i'm just like going through the motions so being like i hope hope obama beats mitt romney like that's what a what a beautiful picture you painted for me (laughs) yeah Uh, that's my life uh let's get to some of these awards um so uh the winner for best actress drama was Kate Blanchett for Tar. Mm-hmm. Um, quite quite a list actually of nominees. Like you've got Olivia Coleman, Viola Davis, Michelle Williams, Anna De Arms. Like that's that's a pretty big list of of names here. So Kate Blanchett for Tar, I think that's relatively predictable. Yeah, um, she's always good. Oh yeah, like she's like Kate Blanchett played a nonverbal monkey in the movie I will be re- uh, I will be reviewing, and she was still good. <laughs> What? Yeah, but it's an an, but it's claymation animation stuff. Like yeah, but she's like she is she is voicing the monkey, but the monkey does not like actually speak a language other than grunts. And it's Kate Blanchett. And it's Kate Blanchett. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that. Um, Best actor for drama: Austin Butler, Elvis. That's one I knew Taylor would be very happy about. That's yep. Taylor's pick to win the uh, Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Brendan Fraser has a um, feud going mm-hmm. with um, the Golden Globes. Yes. So a lot of people are saying, well, he could still be a front runner for an Oscar. Like, I think him and Austin Butler are probably the two front runners. Yeah, um, I guess. That would be my guess as well. But I guess they were never going to give him this award because they have a feud going. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, another another one of those scenarios where it's like, and why are we, why is the Golden Globe still allowed to be around again? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, it's very strange. It's very, very strange. Um, but yeah, I think, listen, I saw Elvis after. Like, I know Taylor reviewed it. I saw it months later. Again, everyone knows me and music biopics, okay? It, I'm yep. not going to like it. Um, yeah. 
his performance was good. Certainly better than than Rami Malek in whatever that Queen movie was. Yep. Still not as good, I think, as the Rocket Man uh, movie, though. Like I yeah, still because think... like Screen King Kingston is a really like they they you guys stand for Rocket Man. I must say, it's like this is like I think the the like tenth time I've heard in the last two years <laughs> where it's you can come up like the the anger over yes. Rocket Man. Did you see Rocket Man? Did you see Rocket Man? <laughs> no, after Bohemian Rhapsody, I was just so done with the genre in general. It's... I just tended to avoid everything that came after, including well, Atlas. okay. I also I mean, seen that. <laughs> okay. Well, Rocket Man is a musical, so it kind of yeah. I remember giving it a so-so review, but the per- it's the performance for me. Like I know yeah. Taylor. I really like liked Rocket Man the movie, but yeah. the performance for me is just I can't. And I hey, I'm a big I'm a big fan of of the music of Elton John. Like I grew up with Elton John music. Like that was that my parents would play it all the time. Like yeah. he's he's a wonderful musician, oh, yeah. and I did like his story. But that was the best performance I think still maybe I've ever seen, at least in my top five. And the fact that it was just snubbed for awards is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of crazy. I, I must say that uh, also the memes that came from Rocket Man are some of my favorites. And I, <laughs> yes. I that, that one of the two of them in the car where he's just dressed, decked out in like the, the bright pink magenta boas and stuff like that is just so funny. I love that. <laughs> um, so we're going to keep with the drama category because they actually, they instead of separating drama and musical or comedy for supporting actor, they just called it supporting. Like there's just mm-hmm. one category now. So we're, we'll do next what one best picture for drama which was the fablemans um not again not a big surprise no the love letter to hollywood right like yeah definitely i still haven't seen it i am excited to see it though it's like um it's like you know steven spielberg whenever he puts out a movie even like b-tier spielberg is still generally better than most other things that have been made um and i hear that this is not b-tier i hear that many people are saying it's above that so i'm excited and one of the things, uh, and and you you of course have been on the show with Nicole before. Yes. One of the things I always remember about the Fablemans is Nicole's reluctant positive review <laughs> that she liked it and that she <laughs> yeah. was unhappy that she liked it. Yes, and I gotta say, I've never told her this. I will next time she's on the show, but I I have re-listened to that episode of Screening in Kingston more than any others because I think that's such a pure, real moment from a yep. person to be like, I can't believe I like this but I do. And it's just like accepting the fact that this is a filmmaker that can invoke emotions uh, yep. in you, even if you don't want them to. So I, again, it's, it, I still haven't seen it, but it is one of the things that I'm looking forward to mainly because of Nicole's review. Um, yeah, thing, yeah. Things that it defeated might surprise you a little bit. Like Elvis and Tar were nominated. It makes mm-hmm. total sense. Avatar way of water. Yeah. And then Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. These two things surprise me. So Top Gun Maverick, I thought it was a great movie. It was Agreed. the, to me, it was the darling of the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, still not a best picture though. <laughs> in my, like a great, great movie, but not, I don't think it would be in my top five. I haven't seen Avatar because I don't really like Avatar, but. Yeah, I, I, I've seen Avatar and I've seen Top Gun Maverick twice, I think. And both of them like really scratch that itch for like an experience so like yes. watching them in the big theater if you're going to see them at all you have to watch them in the big theater and now that top gun maverick is out of the big theater and avatar is like it's probably on its way out at some point in the next i don't know three months um i probably will never see those movies again um but i did really enjoy watching them and uh it's like i they're the magic of that they are on screen i don't think really can be denied in some ways uh let's move on to musical or comedy so the best uh, actor for musical or comedy went to Colin Farrell, 
for the Banshees of Inishirin. Um, You, I believe, have seen Banshees of Inishirin already. I have indeed. And I'm going to see it, and you might hear something about it from us next week, everybody. <laughs> um, but um, you think well-deserved win for him? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, after watching, it's like, so when I watched the movie, the Golden Globes had already happened, and I just watched it, and I was kind of like, I was like uh, walking around the apartment afterwards going like, when did Colin Farrell become one of the best actors ever? Like, when did we go from SWAT to this? (laughs) Or Phone Booth. Did you see Phone Booth? booth? Or or Bullseye and Daredevil. Like, when did we transition from that into this stuff? And I guess the, I I have to give it up for uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, that um, the uh, Greek director that put him in The Lobster and The Killing Mm -hmm. of a Sacred Deer I think yeah. for me at least that was when that shift really started to happen. But I think he's yeah. he's a hundred percent there now. He's like he's yeah. one of my favorites. I think it was the lobster for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um moving on to uh best actress, musical or comedy, Michelle Yeoh, everything everywhere all at once. Um yeah. very, Ooh. very well deserved. Yeah, so pleased, so pleased. I I've, I was like Michelle Yeoh is great. She was great in all of the movies that we know her from over here. She's also great from a bunch of like more like Hong Kong action films, like um, like Super Cop Three. Well, I, th- I think that's no, I think it's Super Cop, also known as Police Story Three. Police Story. <laughs> um, is like uh, which is a Jackie Chan movie that's like that she was in that's where she's really really good in that movie. I say like, uh, she's just she's great. Absolutely love this win for her. Um, and then just quickly, we already kind of talked about best supporting actor, so we don't have to get into it. But um, uh, Kihei Kwan won for everything ever all at once. It was really great to see both of them, who were yeah. really the main. The, the story revolves really around both of them, like they then oh, yeah. a lot of things. I know you know the connection to the daughter is kind of the main plot point, but I think the emotional arc is with the two of them. Um, yeah. And I I love that they were both uh, recognized, and I hope they get Oscar nominations. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love everything everywhere all at once. Like, I, it, it's one of those movies that it took me a while to get into it. Like, even th- I would say up until like halfway through the movie, I was still like, this is really good, but like, I don't really see how transcendent it is. And then uh, Michelle Yeoh and uh, Key have this great scene, like, pretty much halfway or maybe like a little bit more than halfway through that's like a really like emotional turnaround for what the movie's going to be after yeah. that. And yeah. I was just like, after that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I see now yeah. why this is the best movie of the year. Definitely. Um, best supporting actress went to Angela Bassett for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Marvel really, finally got one. Marvel got one. It's a yeah. big historic win with a Marvel uh, nomination and win. Um, I mean, if you're going to nominate anyone, <laughs> this would have been who it would be. The the I, the I have given everything scene pretty much like solidified that she was going to be in this race. Is like, from oh, that that's movie. an incredible scene. Yeah. yeah and, and, Sometimes, again, there's a joke from the Honest trailer for Star Trek The Next Generation where they make fun of Patrick Stewart saying, like, this is better acting than Star Trek deserves. Right. And yep. then when I remember sitting in the theater watching this scene and thinking to myself, I think this is, like, as much as I love Marvel, this is better acting than Marvel deserves. Yeah. Like, this is, like, really good. Like, it silenced the theater. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, this is, and I was in a loud really like into the movie theater and right. no one said a word when she was on screen and talking. Yeah. And like, that's like, that's power. 
Yeah, that and happens I, several I'm, times in that movie. Yeah, actually, when it I was does. watching it, like the yeah. um, the opening Marvel crawl that, that where they completely redo it all so that it ha- it's like Chadwick and all. Yeah, that not a piece. Just there's so yeah. many parts in that movie where everyone is just like in silence. It's like it's like you know the, the movie itself is messy, but there's these moments where it's just kind of like we've now transcended into high drama for a bit here. And, yes. Okay, and now yeah. we're back into Marvel stuff, and then high drama again. And yeah. Then, um, best director went to Steven Spielberg's for The Fableman. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's too surprising, uh, just because it's Steven Spielberg and that's kind of his movie that's about his life. Mm-hmm. I think he's got to be the front runner for director for for the Oscars. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's, I don't. I think it's probably going to be him. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I've heard for best picture, like I've just heard that in terms of best picture, there's a couple different things that are that are getting uh, nominated. So I could see a few different things going a few different ways, but in terms of director, you know, it seems to be him. Um, best picture musical or comedy went to the Banshees of Inishirin. Um, I think that like, so that movie and the Fablemans to me seem to be the front runners for the best picture at the Oscars. Yeah. Like those ones, like maybe Tar, maybe Tar, Elvis Elvis will, Elvis will probably be nominated. I think it'll be nominated, but I don't think it'll win. I actually think that there's a good chance that Top Gun Maverick actually gets nominated. Really? You think so? Just because there are, they have to do 10 movies this year as a, um, and when I was counting out 10 movies, I got to the point where it's like, it gets to a certain point where like of the awards like uh, acknowledgements and like the i think the dga uh, nominations just came out and the the director for top gun maverick was nominated for that so like that's so usually a pretty good sign so it seems likely that i don't think they'll win but they'll probably be in the they'll running. probably get nominated yeah. yeah yeah um so very quickly to wrap up best screenplay martin mcdonough mm-hmm. uh the banshees of inishirin yeah uh we'll talk more about uh, that later uh an original score this was the only thing that babylon got uh, Justin Hurwitz won again. Every time that him and Damien Chazelle team up, he gets Best Original Score nomination yep. uh, for Babylon. Babylon did get some nominations, but didn't really see any um, wins there. Yeah, no, it's it's um, very contentious right now. Like, there's some some like uh, reviewers I, or like critics I've heard they're just coming out for this movie hard. They're like, this is the best movie. It's like of the year, and there's other people yeah. who are just kind of like, this is his first misstep. This is like the, it's like hopefully not the beginning of the downward spiral for Damien Chazelle, but um, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't. <sighs> Me wait neither. I, I haven't seen it yet either, and I was kind of looking forward to it, but now I'm like, oh, what's going on? Um, uh, best animated feature went to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, best non English language films. This used to be foreign, for, uh, foreign film, but they changed it to best non English language film. Went to Argentina in 1985. Yeah, I'm that was very, a surprise. Yes, I thought it was RRR all the way. See, I really thought it was Decision to Leave. Like, uh, really? Yeah, Park Chan Wook, like, is like whenever he comes out to play, usually, yes. especially with like, like, you know, Korea is like in their terms of like Korean cinema is having yeah. a moment right now. Yes, I, I yes. felt like. That movie was really good, so I thought that maybe that one had a chance. But yeah, you know, RRR was also like undeniably one of the best movie experiences of the year. So. Yeah, you saw RRR. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I never seen a movie that had everything in it until I watched it's, RRR. <laughs> it's funny because there's a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once, and yet <laughs> yes. somehow RRR has more than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my best, the best thing, I think it was the director who who came out and said like when when it was getting really popular that was like oh if you think this is crazy you haven't even like gone into india cinema yet then. No. like you haven't seen anything and it just makes me so curious as to what else is out there because oh, yeah. this was like wow like this 
this completely was was well insane. india probably has one of if not the like biggest movie market outside of like the u.s and yeah, um yeah. they have like because you know everyone is familiar with bollywood but bollywood is only one of the the different Hollywoods that's in india there's also tollywood there's mollywood there's like a bunch of these different things and all of them have to do with like the different kind of like languages and ethnicities that exist within india it's like and they all have their own kind of like Hollywood is like that's surrounding them with like a bunch of movies that they're able to sustain with their like over 1 billion population. So it's, it's impressive. Um, and then just to wrap up the one TV thing I wanted to say, um, I guess there's three things that I wanted to say. I'm really happy that the house of dragon won best drama series. Mm-hmm. Um, Abbott elementary just like grabbed so many awards yeah, for television. It. Yep. Yeah. Like I need to check this show out. And then, so since Zendaya won, for best actress in the drama series for Euphoria, oh, yeah. I really think that that should have gone to Emma Darcy. I I, I predicted Zendaya was going to win because it's Zendaya and it's Euphoria. But I just what happens when you have a show that is extremely good all around, like Euphoria, and this happened with like I think it was Breaking Bad and like a couple other shows where the person just keeps winning every 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 single year. It's like yeah, look, we know we know yeah. their performance is good. Other performances are coming out of there. Like what Emma Darcy does in House of Dragon, it's just, it's so good with such limited material because of the 10 episodes, because they're aging the characters, each rendition of the character at the different ages only gets like a handful of episodes. Oh, I Like didn't six know that. or something. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the only one is Matt Smith. Matt Smith is the same all the way through. Yeah. They don't even he's, age him. He's ageless and timeless. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, he looks the same at all. Yeah. Ages. He's like, he looks um, like he has a face that's carved out of marble. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's the thing. So Emma Darcy, I think they got six episodes because a younger version of the character does four. And then I think, I think it's six, something like that. So it's half a season and it's incredible. Like the performance is so incredible that it's house of dragon to me. Maybe it's because I was expecting so little. It really is a fantastic show, I think. And it really surpassed my expectations because I thought, Oh no, here comes like one of these uh, spinoff series. That's not going to be as good. The casting was incredible. I'm glad there was a nomination for at least someone, but I still feel like like Zendaya won it for euphoria last year. Every time Euphoria is on, I'm sure it's in day one. It's I, that performance in Euphoria is great. I'm not denying that. Yeah. I just think when you have someone who does something so good with so little, you should, you know, you should vote that way. Anyway, yeah, I wonder if thought. we should start implementing this that like for TV, especially for like long running series, if you win one year, then like the next year the award is named after you, but you don't get to compete anymore in that. Yeah, season, and you get to hand. Yeah, you get to hand it off or something to the next person. And then at the end, you could give a legacy award like they did yeah. with, oh, um, you know, Mad Men's coming to an end. So mm-hmm. we're going to give John Hamm an award. like, And maybe have a separate award for that. Because I do think then you're just going to get Zendaya winning every year. Because, yeah, the show's great. The performance isn't going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not going to happen. So anyway, um, there you go. Those are the Golden Globes for this year. A lot of people don't care. Um, but it's a good lean up, I think, to the Oscars because we love the Oscars here. And the Oscars pool is coming up soon. So I'm excited. Start seeing excited. this Oscar I have to, I to defend my title. You do. You do. Um, I'm hoping I, every year I hope to grow it so we have more people in it. So I'm hoping to surpass last year's total. Um, so we've got to start talking about it now. Um, let's review some movies. Yeah. Um, let's talk about She Said First just because you've seen it as well. 
um, and we can kind of get my ranting out of the way. Um, and I, I always find that if pe- people get less mad at me if we put my rantings in the mi- in the middle. They forget um, about them by the yeah, end. They'll, yeah, they'll talk about Pinocchio. Yeah, that's um, why I used to write things down that I needed to send emails to. <laughs> yes, yeah, because we move on, right? Um, so she said, uh, as, as I had mentioned before, it, it revolves around the investigation into Harvey Weinstein um, and his actions of, and uh, he was basically accused of multiple sexual assaults in Hollywood, uh, found guilty for many, but apparently not everything. It's very confusing mm-hmm. what actually happened. Now, this movie doesn't cover it. I'm just bringing it up. It's very confusing what, what's happened here. Um, but anyway, the movie revolves around two reporters. Um, I want to say Jody and Megan. I need to get their names in front that of me. That sounds correct. That's. I think I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, these are based on real people, by the way. This, is, this was a real investigation. Who lead this investigation. Um, they are played by uh, Carrie Mulligan, who most people will remember from... Um, uh, oh, I gotta have a names. Promising young me. woman. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Not the only thing she's done, <laughs> no, but the most recent, things, but... <laughs> extremely talented thing. Um, um, and Zoe Kazan, yeah. who we haven't seen much of uh, recently, but I think people will know her from The Big Sick. Yeah. Um, people will know her from that Canadian movie um, that I reviewed yeah. that was only okay. Um, yep. And um, the Ballad of Buster. Scrubs. I don't know if yes. people saw that movie, but oh, that's I love that so movie. Good. That's yeah, that's that's such a Tyler movie. Um, <laughs> it really is a Tyler movie in almost every way. Um, yeah. So they stars the two reporters, and it basically follows their journey down this massive rabbit hole of of lies of co- uh, really covering things up, um, and they're trying to get this kind of investigation um, and trying to to write the best story possible with revealing as many witnesses as possible, which is something they kind of explain why quite clearly um, they're investigative journalists. They want to make sure that there's enough evidence to back the claims that they're hearing and their journey is we've got to go around and basically convince um, these women who have suffered to try to reveal their story publicly and tell them more about it. So that's basically the story um, of the movie. Let's get into talking about it. Um, Tyler, here are my, here. I'm just going to give you a bunch of thoughts. Yep. And then I want to hear your thoughts and then we're going to talk about it. Lay on. I love the performances. Mm-hmm. I thought um, Zoe Kazan and uh, Carrie Mulligan, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Maybe the maybe the best I've seen out of both of them, actually. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. I actually thought the writing of this movie was pretty good. What I liked that they did was they, they gave me two interesting personality traits and backstories for our two main characters, mm-hmm. um, which is something a movie I'm about to compare this to um, didn't do well. This movie did it very well. It yeah. gave me something to be like, oh, I know something about these characters and I care about them. And now I'm going to see, and I, I can see the emotional weight of what they're going through. And I really appreciated it and like that. I yeah. felt why they're getting upset and why they're getting emotionally drawn into it because of who they are. And I thought the movie did a great job of that. Um, those are the two things I really liked about the movie. What I didn't like about the movie is I felt this was at times a shot-for-shot remake or copy of Spotlight. Mm, okay. Down to the music choices, down to the establishing shots of the building instead of the Boston Globe, it's the New York Times building. Um, down to the way the movie moves through and is edited and is cut together. If you watch these two movies back-to-back, you're sitting here going, wait a minute, is this the same movie? Is this a different movie? Is this a sequel? 
I don't know. And to me, this is just my opinion, I thought this was very lazily done. I thought it was rushed together, done very lazily to just be like, well, this we've got to do another kind of spotlight type film, but we can't call it Spotlight 2 because Spotlight's a specific thing that has to do with the Boston Globe. So here we go. We'll dive into it. And I think the movie and the content deserved a lot more than a lazy directing effort. And that's that's I really didn't respond well to the directing. With that being said, overall, I still enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed everything uh, about where the movie took me, even though I knew a lot of the things, especially because this happened in modern times. So I've read these articles. I really thought the movie did a good job of showing us the reveals of things. And And because I cared so much about the two characters, I was seeing their reactions to things. And I was appreciating that. And that's what I liked about it. Um, Let's get your initial thoughts and then we'll, we'll dive into it. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I'd like to definitely echo um, that the performances are great. Um, Yeah. I think Carrie Mulligan, I don't think I, like, she's a very charismatic actress and I don't think I've ever seen her be more winning and charismatic than she is in this movie. She just like exudes confidence, but like, not like in the way that people usually say that when people usually say that they're thinking of like, the swagger of cowboys but like her confidence is more of someone who's just in her element like this is exactly what she's good at this is what she's trained to do and um but the fun thing the the thing that i think differentiates this from spotlight a little bit um it was i do think that they are very similar you're you're, you're right that they are like kind of like um this is like a spiritual successor it's like um he's like in like to spotlight I think the thing that makes this movie different is just like the era in which it's set and the recognition yes. that reporting now is not like a, a nine to five job. It's a 24 totally. seven job. And I really like how the director constantly shows big reveals or big conversations happening while they're walking their kids to school or when they're sitting around the dining room table at night or getting a call in the middle of the night to wake up and do all these things showcasing that as this like big moment uh, like momentous thing is happening it's happening in the middle of a life in the middle of a person's life that is still trying to go on with kids and husbands and jobs and lives and all that sort of stuff it's still they're they're having to do all of this at the same time as live their lives and um i think that's something that they don't really show in spotlight um or in like even things like all the president's men or something like that because those movies are set in an older timeline where there is kind of like a punch clock where you can get that feeling that they show up to work at nine and they're like, okay, and then let's go through this. And the, the modern day version of journalism isn't like that uh, with the internet. It's just everything is happening all the time and you have to be constantly ready to drop whatever it is in order to get, kind of like move with it. Um, yeah. Can I quickly jump in on this? Cause you're course. bringing up a really good point. Um, the thing that I want to say is that I think what spotlight failed at doing and what this movie, the, what she said, excelled at doing yeah. was giving us real characters who had a life and their investigation going on and seeing that intersection. Yeah. And I agree with you. Now, the point you just made about Carrie Mulligan, I think, is echoed so much where they, they so her character is going through uh, the birth of her first child mm-hmm. and you see her out of her element. In that scenario. And then the switch happens when she goes back to work, where she's back in her element. And I thought that was so interesting that here you're giving us a character who at home is confused, uncertain, depressed, struggling, and at work is strong, confident, like the literal opposites. 
Yeah. And then Zoe Kazan's character was like almost the opposite. She was a bit of a younger reporter, mm-hmm. still trying to figure things out, was kind of like teamed up with Carrie Mulligan to like tackle this together, went to her for support and help. But then like has had like two kids or something is super like, like she was often the one where the phone calls would happen and she's like, she easily balances all her kids. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I balance my kids, talk on the phone, like, like totally able to do everything. Whereas Carrie Mulligan's character was much more reserved in that area. And I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Where you have these two sort of differences in them and that's what made them such a good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And uh, definitely their like their interplay with each other, their kind of like low key like burgeoning friendship as it goes through is like a really like is a high point of the movie for me. Um in terms of the directing being lazy, like uh I felt that Spotlight's directing is is very like crisp and clean, but it's also non-showy. It deliberately backs off so that you like focus more on characters and more on the story. It's like Spotlight has that kind of like no frills feel to it where it seems like kind of like the story should speak for itself and for me i felt like she said was trying to do something similar now it's like maybe i just wasn't paying attention to the directing throughout because of that and i was kind of giving it it's like but i feel like when this movie really shines is when everything just backs off and they let the like an actress who usually isn't carrie mulligan or zoe kazan's one of the for instance a bunch of these survivors like uh, of like uh, of like harvey weinstein's nonsense um they like give them a chance to just sit there and tell their story and tell their truth. And when the, like, I feel like the directing choice of just backing off from those moments and letting the actors fill the space with that is like, um, was probably for the best. Um, I agree with not that. Showy. Yeah. Cause I think, and that to me is why I'm, maybe it's deliberate and you're right. And maybe I'm being too harsh, but I just, the writing was far superior to me than the directing was and the and those moments are great writing great performances that's why we're doing it so yeah. maybe the directions purposely backed off uh, tyler i gotta t- the soundtracks of these two movies are identical <laughs> they're pretty much the i'm exact sorry same. <laughs> they're exact same they're the exact it's the exact same they just took all the spotlight music and threw it on here and if i had seen she said first i'd then be saying these critical things about spotlight yeah. and that's what bothers me is this movie is such an important topic that I, let's not kid ourselves. The reason why this movie was made was was money, and it failed at yeah. doing that because no one wants to see it. Yeah. It's very sad. But the whole point that someone, uh, the studio who put on this movie, bought the rights immediately. That's what happens yeah. now. Something ha- horrible happens in society or good, and you immediately see someone buy the movie rights, and then with a, th- a few years, we get it. This movie came too quickly. This came too fast. We should have had a little bit more time for it to breathe. It felt rushed, and I just think the topic deserved better. Now. I'm I'm without a soul and I'm crabby and I'm old. So maybe I'm just all those things are just getting to me. But I if I was a producer, I would be having a one on one talk with this director to be like, we've got to do something different. Like we've got to bump this up a bit because the writing solved forms the solid and the directing comes off as lazy and borrowed from spotlight. There are shots in this movie, Tyler, that are identical than, than what was in spotlight. And that bothers me a lot. Yeah, I get that. But it's like for for me, I guess what I'm saying is that like Spotlight, it's it's like the ways in which Spotlight's like director decided to place cameras stuff like that are all incredibly conventional and non-showy. So like for for she said to like be copying was like Spotlight. It's like I was like saying that like when you like spoke language, you were copying the alphabet. Like it's it is the the quintessential like kind of like no frills, no nonsense sort of shooting a movie. 
so um maybe it is like in the way that if like she said as she said is like strange because it's copying the idea of like the kind of stripped down mentality of directing which we don't see much anymore um like, as opposed to more flashy and showy ways is like to do things uh i don't know it's like it's, it didn't bother me throughout um but i can see what you mean in the way that like when i when i come out of this film i'm not saying like I wonder who that director is. I'm saying like, look at these great performances. Look mm-hmm. at this. It's like all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Those are the, def- those are the reasons to see it for sure. I think we can agree on at least that point. Yeah. Um, that there's, I, we don't have time. There are things in there that I, I counter, but I think we can agree on, we leave this movie not thinking about the direction that can be good. That can be bad. Um, overall, Harvey Weinstein's a trash bag. Um, this movie I think is more important than, than what it is. Like I, I'm giving this movie a stream it. I want to give it a see it content wise. I think it's a see it because I do think this is what we should be watching later. Art has the power to change and has the power to educate. Some people aren't going to read the New York times articles. So they should watch movies like this and you should take it with that much care. So I give it a stream it cause it just didn't hit for me. What would you be your rating Tyler? Yeah, for me, I think I, um, I probably would go with, uh, with see it. Um, it's like, uh, there are, I think, more interesting and nuanced ways to discuss is like um, this sort of topic that have actually come out. But as you said, the things I'm talking about are books. Like there's a book called mm-hmm. uh, run towards the danger that came out by Sarah Polly that has like a really interesting essay about kind of the reasons why law has a hard time dealing with women's stories when they come yeah. out about sexual assault is like, and because of this, like, like they don't really understand the emotional state that people are in. And I think that there is something very, very useful about being able to put that on screen and have a really good actress showcase to you what that emotional state is like so that maybe people can kind of understand it a bit more. Yeah, um, I'm going to find yeah, that book. Say, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'm going to I'm yeah. going to find that book. Um, but, you know, you know, as well as I do, it doesn't have to be even said, but we're going to say it. Some people aren't going to read. It. Oh, definitely. Like, we just know yeah. that. Yeah. Um, OK, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Tyler. Let's hear your thoughts. Yeah. So, um I watch I watched this on Netflix. It's like um it's by both Guillermo del Toro and uh, Mark Gustafson. Mark Gustafson. It's like um who is a um he's like kind of like del Toro was like the creative director and the other guy was like the actual stop motion animation director. Uh, he also did um, the Fantastic Mr. Fox with Wes Anderson a, like, a long while ago. Yeah. Um, del Toro and I have like a checkered past as like where I've kind of like <laughs> I I like all of his movies but I feel like I should love them. Like he is just, he likes all the same things that I do. He, his Mm. enjoyment of things is infectious. He's like, um, and it's just, and he's such a good craftsman. Like everything he makes, uh, he's only gotten better as time goes. Like nightmare alley. There are shots from that, like singular shots from that movie that still live in my brain rent free. Um, but at the same time, whenever I come out from most of his movies, I have this kind of like one thumb up and then is like, um, and then the other like hand is kind of like fidgeting in my pocket because I feel like it should be two thumbs up and yet it just isn't for me. And usually that's because I find that his movies have like a real kind of like simplicity to their morality. It's like, mm-hmm. um, it's like, um, which is like in keeping with the fairy tale stuff that he likes to do. Um, but it just doesn't always sit well with me. And that's why I'm very happy to report that this movie for me definitely gets two thumbs up and there's like unabashed because I feel like stop motion animation for one works really well with Del Toro. His stuff yeah. is always like very whimsical, but also a little creepy, which is like most of stop motion stuff. And then also the story of Pinocchio really works well for him in terms of a person who is obsessed with the idea of like empathy for the monster of like, 
mm-hmm. loving the outcast. He's pretty much Tim Burton without the mascara. He's like constantly thinking about like this outcast person and how we should be loving this, this different monstrosity than as opposed to all the stuff around it. And um, Pinocchio is as a movie actually works really well in that way. He manages to inject a lot of tragedy into a story like Pinocchio while still keeping it quite like light and funny at times. Mm. Ewan McGregor plays the best character of 2022 in Sebastian J. Cricket. Um, <laughs> like, who is just this big, like cantankerous <laughs> cricket who took up residence inside the wood that Pinocchio ended up being made from and is just really unhappy that his house has now been turned into this anthropomorphized wooden boy. <laughs> um, and um, it's like, and, uh, and then at the end of the day, the movie is really all about just kind of like acceptance and self-improvement as opposed to like the original one that's more about like the magical transformations. Like it isn't about like a, a person becoming a real boy through magic. It's like becoming... Mm a real human through like human interaction. Um, and everyone it sounds whimsical. Him. Like it oh, sounds yeah. just like a whimsical, great movie. Like you're so, describing whimsy to me. So it is whimsical, but there needs to be a, a point of warning on this. Okay. Because my, um, we finished the movie. It's like, um, and my wife turned to me and said, who was that made for? Because it's definitely <laughs> like, you know, it's whimsical, like a children's movie. And it's like bright and happy at times. And then also uh, Benito Mussolini is in this movie um, because it takes place during World War II in Italy. Mm. And um, there is like a very tragic like beginning to this film and a very like kind of like deep like sadness end to this movie. Um, mm. Something that the the Japanese term for it is, uh, I think, uh, Mono no Awari, which is like the gentle sadness that comes from the passing of time. And like that was like the end of this movie to a T. And so we get to the end of it and I was like, because it wasn't for kids per se, but also right. like it was, it had the aesthetic of for kids. And I'm like, I think the answer is this movie was made for me. <laughs> I think Del Toro is trying to finally say, here, Tyler, here's your movie. Here's your Del Toro yeah. movie that you can love unabashedly. I'm like, thank you. That's but what there I are, there's an audience for that. Like, I think, I think it's not because I think, I don't know if you heard any of his speech, but he talked at the Golden Globes when he won about how it's it's not a genre for kids. It's a mm-hmm. it can be a medium for artists like animation. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be just about kids. Um, so I think, listen, I I think you're the audience for it. It's the Tyler Vansites or Vansians or whatever you're going to call your 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 group. Um, yeah, where this movie that. just like everything I've seen about this movie, I haven't watched it, but everything I've seen about this movie screams you. Like there's just yeah. certain movies where I'm like that you will. Um, so I'm glad to hear that it met your expectations. Yep, hundred percent. There you go. Yeah. So you're giving it uh, see it? Oh no, it's definitely skip it. No, no, of course it's a skip. <laughs> it's a skip. It's a skip. Yeah. And I loved it. Don't ever watch Don't it. Don't ever watch it. It's like the uh, what's the it's like Taylor's like uh, my favorite review of hers ever, where it's like see it, but know that I hated it. Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> skip it, but know that I loved it. No, I think I think this movie does have a lot that can be given to almost anyone. Um, I don't think everyone will love it quite as much as I as like I do, but uh, I think that everyone should see it, and it's very easy to see. It's on Netflix, so go check it out. Uh, there you go. It's a see it um, from Tyler. Uh, we get to the end of another episode once again. Uh, thank you, Tyler, once again for joining me, even though you're either special or not special. We never really finished that debate, uh, well, but we'll, we'll find out. out. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. out. I mean, let's we'll put up a poll. 
um, I like it. <laughs> we'll we'll put a poll up for fans. But they'll they'll be they'll be hearing um more from you in the coming weeks. We've got a couple different things coming up. Um, but you'll be back on the show. We're gonna have our big Star Trek debate soon. But thank you again, Tyler, and thank you everybody for listening this week. As Taylor says, go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.